Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Agree to Disagree. I'm Dean Gutick, alongside with me, Noah Schwartz, Aiden Chard, and Jack Asello. Boys, what's up? Yo, what's it going? We got an interesting lineup today, of course, a recap of the World Series. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio and Steve Cohen, Daryl Morey going to the Sixers, and Stephen Silas to the Rockets. So let's start off with the recap of the 2020 World Series. So, of course, the L.A. Dodgers won in Game 6. But there's been a bigger story, of course, to that World Series, and it was after the World Series and what happened, and that is, of course, the Justin Turner situation. So, of course, um, Noah or Aiden, you could start off. So let's talk about, of course, a recap of the series and then your thoughts on the whole no, – We don't care, we don't care about you, Jack. Yeah, clearly. All right, World Series. So, so World what? Series, so great series, fantastic stuff that we saw on the field in terms of what actually happened during the nine innings of the games. But – yeah, you're right, Dean. What happened after uh, after game six was pretty terrible. It was not a smart idea letting Justin Turner out of the isolation spot wherever he was to let him hang out with the teammates, take pictures, take his mask off, hug his teammates, hang out with everybody. Not a good idea. Not a good look for baseball. I expect punishments to be coming to Turner and the Dodgers. Although I don't know necessarily if they're warranted because it seems like baseball was involved in trying to get this guy to quarantine. I and agree. It seemed like baseball didn't do a good job or really any job of making sure that he stayed in isolation. I feel like punishment should, should honestly be coming from somewhere in the government, CDC, contact tracing people somewhere, somewhere like that and sending punishments down to baseball, to, to, to Major League Baseball and, and the commissioner's office, because they seem to be the ones who really had no, no reason to let this guy quarantine. I mean, you got to keep him inside and they, they really didn't seem to care. And I think that's where the punishment needs to come. Of course, Turner should be reprimanded some sort and the Dodgers as well. But I think a lot of it needs to go towards baseball. That's really where the blame should be. Uh, yeah. I can... No, go ahead, Jack. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I completely agree with what you said, Noah, um, with everything. Uh, first off, in terms of baseball, congrats to the Dodgers. Great team, great year. They absolutely deserved everything they got. Uh, in terms of the Rays, Rays, uh, hold your heads up high. You, uh, you forced it. You, you fought hard game six. Nobody, you always do, but you always rise above everybody's expectations. And I think you guys will be contenders for years to come. So keep your heads high there. But in terms of Justin Turner, this, this whole thing is just ridiculous. And it just puts a sour note on what you could say. And, and on just a very, I wouldn't say great, but I would say a very strange season of major league baseball, 60 games, a lot of different rules. The playoffs are in a bubble. Like it could have just, it just makes it just like, why couldn't it just end nicely? You know what I mean? Like this had to happen. I know. Well, the fact that how did he even get COVID? This because he's been in there. He's been in that place for so long. It really is a mystery. But I mean, it just kind of goes to show how how random. little baseball really cared about creating a bubble. I mean, yeah. they they made a bubble, but then they allowed fans into it, and that's kind of destroying the that's bubble perfect. right there. You know, you're allowing new people into contact with you know, not direct contact with players, but you allow fans into contact with security, security into contact with executives, executives in contact with players. You know, there's, there's a chain. And by letting those new people in, this is the reason that the NBA worked perfectly because nobody new came in, you know? And if, they, if the people NBA, new did also... come in, they got in big trouble. The NHL worked great too. Um, yeah, Dean, what were you going to say? No, to say it's not just the NBA, of course, and it's, you know the NHL, of course, um, other brands such as the UFC, but they didn't have anyone come in, and they had no yeah. fans. 
the MLB didn't care. And after seeing what happened after the game, uh, I'm going to have to agree with uh, from dribbling around Jaden Becker. I thought the season was a failure, especially after what happened after game six. Oh, I don't don't agree with that at all. I I do because because, I don't think the whole season was a failure. I don't think the whole season was, but I think just through it. They got through it, and, and I just I think the fans' the idea was a bad idea. The Cardinals had issues. The Marlins had issues. I get there were tests, positive tests throughout the league at, at various points. But at the end of the day, every team outside of maybe one or two there played the full sixty-game slate. They played an entire postseason bubble, and I have to say, as far as we know to this point, no other positive tests from the Dodgers. So at least, even though yes. they were irresponsible and they didn't handle it correctly whatsoever. Kershaw and Seager and all the other Dodgers, nobody seemed to get it. And if it happens and then this is a super spreader event, then of course my stance on that changes. But to this point, at least they kept it contained. Even if they didn't do it responsibly, at least it stayed contained somewhat. So I do want to say that. that. I disagree with something that you said. There were no positive cases. I disagree something with with something that you said earlier, Noah. I don't think the MLB should really be the ones taking the blame for this Justin Turner situation. Yes. They should take some blame for not doing everything in their power to keep him off the field. That being said, Justin Turner knew he had COVID, well, went out on right. the field, interacted with his teammates, took off his mask, kissed the trophy, whatever. That's on him. And more so, it's on the Dodgers and the Rays, both the players and the staff on those teams, who all knew he had COVID, to not call it out and to not ask him to get off the field. His teammates could have just said, Listen, you can be out here, wear your mask, stay six feet away. That's understandable. He didn't do that. The team should be held accountable for this and Justin Turner, but I don't think you can pin this on the MLB. They did what they were supposed to do. They took him out of the game. They did their best to keep him uh, off the field. According to the MLB statement, uh, security told him he was not allowed back on the field and he refused to follow that order. So you know uh, what? Rob Manford who's in... That stadium right in that area has got to walk over to the Dodger dugout and say, get this guy inside, detain him, take him in, whatever it needs to be done. Yes, man, you can't just Manfred stand could have done nothing. That, that's disgraceful. But, but you have to punish the Dodgers for this. You have to punish the Dodgers. The biggest issue, the biggest issue in my opinion, at least that I can say, why is the t- why do you not have the test confirmed before the game starts? It was, it was, uh, a it was a uh, inconclusive test, tests. Right? Sometimes yeah. tests come back. You you either get positive, negative, or inconclusive. It came back inconclusive, and then mid game came back uh, as a. Well, they did a second test, right? That's what I thought. They I did a second so. round, okay. and um, the race, the race family, uh, one of the family members from the Tampa Bay race tested positive. Oh yeah, I didn't. Oh, I didn't hear that. Okay. Yes, and we don't. We don't know if it's related or not, but okay. Um, it's a bad ending to what was a really strange, difficult season, but I don't think you can label it a failure because at the end of the day, it happened. We have a champion. Somebody won this, this trophy and nobody got seriously ill or anything like that. Nobody's in true danger right now. So I I do think you got to look at it from that perspective. It it could have gone a lot worse. Let's talk about the actual game though, for a second. What a game six. A very, oh yeah. Very questionable game six in a way of Kelly Cash taking out Snell. I mean, what a who's Kelly Cash? It was it was just quite the the fact that we saw the the Astros last season lose because they took out Garrett Cole 
when he was thinking out of his mind uh in game six what they didn't put him in i thought they took him out mid-game who did they who did they take out in game six no it was game seven they just took out granky when he was rolling granky sorry all right my bad i mixed up the names but um but this same exact thing happened here you know Snell was on a roll. He was having a great game. Middle of the sixth, had not let up a run. Struck out how many players? I don't know. A lot. Nine, I think. Nine and a one-hitter. Nine nine strikeouts, one-hitter in the sixth inning. That's not a situation that you take your pitcher out. You know? You're right. He was playing fantastic. I don't care how good of a bullpen you have. That loss is completely 100% on cash. Well, let let me put it this way, guys. As we know, the Rays are very analytical. They're, and we're going to talk about them later. They're the Houston Rockets of baseball. I mean, that's really what they have become. Yeah. And Kevin Cash has leaned on this strategy, along with Eric Neander, the GM, and everybody else in this organization. This is what they've done for ju- not just this year, but over the last few years. And I think the numbers told them, hey, we can't let Blake Snell go deep into this game if it, if it means him facing that lineup a third time. And as dumb as that may sound, that's their philosophy and their strategy in that situation. And I, I, I think that they have to look at their at the way that they manage this game and realize, look, we can't just go by what the numbers tell us. We have to use our eyes. We have to use our, our, stra- our instinct, our, our gut, or our gut feeling to tell us what we might want to do with our pitchers. And at that point in the game, there was no reason to go to anybody else. There's no one else you want in that situation outside of your ace pitcher, Blake Snell, I- who was cruising. I think it's it's notable that you see this has happened now two World Series in a row that that uh, a team has taken out a great pitcher who's playing well because of because the analytics people say to, you know, I'm all for like all of these saber metrics and analysis and all of this stuff that makes the game you know smarter, so statistically based, all this money ball type of stuff, but. I don't want it to ruin seasons the way that it did. It it ended the Rays season this year and it ended the Astros last year. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I was talking about this with Noah. Even though I am for analytics, sometimes like it's just you can't let and kind of like I've heard kind of Charles Barkley say this. Like something like you can't let a computer just tell you what to do. For example, a computer can't predict that one night a guy is just going to be on. And like, for example, like compare the situation analytics can't tell you, like, for example, everyone knows Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lin, when he, when, when he took over New York for like two and a half weeks, nobody could tell you that was going to happen. It just happens and you just have to go with it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. And the Rays just broke something that didn't need to be fixed. And Blake Snell could have gone longer. And he was he allowed only, what, one hit, I believe? Yeah, no runs, one hit, nine strikeouts, no walks. He was as dominant as you can pretty much be in a game like that. He'd given up one hit, and he, then the he, next time he gave up a hit to Austin Barnes. That was actually the second hit, so he gave up and two he struck total out, hits, but He struck out Mookie Betts twice. Yeah. yeah, Mookie Betts looked foolish against him, the two at-bats he had. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's just, you, you can't, there, there are times in baseball, baseball specifically, you, you have to go based off of gut. You have to go based off of what it looks like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, on to our next topic. I'm pretty sure the Mets fans want to start this one off. Yeah, I'll start. Um, so Steve Cohen and New York City Mayor 
Bill de Blasio. Uh, um, I don't think I need to say any more because the name speaks for himself. So please take it away. Yeah. Okay. So let me just get this first. Let me get this straight up first. So Steve Cohen, obviously the Mets Lord and Savior is going to be voted in by MLB owners tomorrow. Well, as we are recording this on Thursday, tomorrow it will be Friday. And by, by Saturday, when this is, when you guys hear this, he will probably be voted in. But just like as a Met fan, this whole story of Bill de Blasio, it just shows like Met fans just can never have a break. Do I think Steve Cohen, do I think de Blasio will approve it? Yes. But it does make, it's just like, why can't any, like, why does it like this have to make Mets fans like nervous? Why can't anything just go smoothly? Why do I have to be like, why do I have to be nervous while this is happening? I don't like. I've listened to Evan Roberts and he, like, I agree with everything he said. For example, like Jeff Wilpon, he said his goodbyes to everybody. Jeff Wilpon knows what's going on. He, he, I'm sure he's hearing what the mayor is saying, what MLB owners are saying. So he wouldn't say goodbyes if he didn't think this was going to go through. I do think this is going to go through. This is the Blasio playing up his own ego he just wants people to know his name also it just has to do with with him like uh, like with him he doesn't like billionaires he just wants to give him a hard time like we saw a similar situation when like amazon was going to move to new york but because there was like a because they weren't going to pay taxes they like they, they didn't let them come to new york and like and just to annoy jeff bezos like this stuff is just it's just why do you have to do it there's so many more important things that you need to be paying attention to right now this yeah, is especially thing. especially right no, now like you're the governor the of the biggest city matters, a baseball team like focus on like covid and all that other exactly. stuff I you're agree. the governor of the biggest city mayor. in the northeast mayor you know you know you're mayor. one of the, mayor sorry mayor. mayor mayor governor what's the difference i know sure. i know there's a difference sure. Sure. Um, the mayor of one of the biggest cities in the world during the biggest public health crisis we've seen in a hundred years. Um, You're worrying about a baseball team in, in the in the middle of like a, a one of the most influential presidential elections of all time, and yeah, you're worrying about the sale of a baseball team. No, it's insane. And, and let me just put it this way, too, guys. There are, and you guys said there are so many other things to worry about. How about the fact that he knows that Mets fans have gone through ups and downs and ups and downs for the last 20 years under this family. And look, the Wilpons, they've done some things correctly. They've done a lot of things wrong, but the Blasio knows the difference between the way the Yankee organization runs and the way the Mets run. And yeah. there's just an obvious difference and everybody understands it. Yeah. So there's the Yankee, finally a chance. The Yankees pay millions and millions of dollars to every single player and don't end up winning championships with them, at least in the 2010s. Okay, Forget it. The, <laughs> you know, the point, the point is there is an obvious difference. Everybody can recognize that. Okay. And de Blasio is the mayor knows. And so you're finally going to allow all these fans within your city to experience what true competence looks like. And when you talk about this city, you got Dolan, you got the Johnson brothers, you've got the Mara family. There is a lot of people who are totally incompetent. Steve Cohen at least looks like someone who knows what he's going to be doing. And you finally have the ability to give it up and let your Mets fans have their moment and, and celebrate and hopefully win some championships going forward. And you want to ruin it in the middle of the pandemic. It's just get your priorities straight, figure out what needs to be important to you. And I understand that it is legally obligated for him to go in and to look at this and because it's public land on city field that you know he needs to look at it a little bit, but he should look at those documents of the $2 billion transaction for about five seconds, yes. hand them right back over and be done. You know what? You, you and your, yeah, you and your whole, ego with the billionaires thing, just leave it alone. And there's this too. Don't go in front of the media and say, it's not personal. This is all, you know, we have to do this. It's all legal stuff. It's not. 
you could do this very, very quickly and approve it and we'd be done. But instead, you want to drag this out. You want to make it as difficult as you can on Cohen because you have something against him for whatever reason. And let's just be honest about it. You have a problem. Why don't you tell the media just so we're all aware of it? Don't hide it and look even more like a jerk than you have over the last seven He's years. He's trying to hide it because he wants to deny it that it's personal, but he knows that it is personal. Yeah. That's why he's doing this. He's launching an investigation against the two, which is ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah, no, it's insane. But like I said, I, mean, I don't the guy's think, insane himself. I don't no, want to like, get too far. The Mets, the Mets have hired two law firms to look this over. They they think there's nothing that no, this won't stop it. It's just gonna drag it out a little bit longer than it needs to. No, but Jack, it actually could make a serious impact here, not because it's not going to get sold. I, I know that Cohen will have the team. Yeah, it could drag. But yeah, what, what I mean by drag it out is that at some point, the Mets are going to have to start spending on these free agents and really looking towards the offseason to start making some winning moves oh, here. Sure. And, if, and if, if de Blasio blocks this as far as he can and, and lets this drag on for a couple of months, they won't be able to have the ability to go spend on those players. And that's a problem. And we will want to have a winning team as soon as next season – that might not happen if you can't spend the money you, you need to in order to win baseball games. Yeah, it's it's you know, at a certain point, when does the uh, when does the MLB off season like officially begin in terms of like signing new players? Well, the winter meetings are like December usually, so not that long from now. I mean, things will start to ramp up in the next couple. Of yeah, weeks. No, he's gonna get approved. He's gonna the vote. Like I don't I don't know what the deadlines are, and I don't know how they've shifted because of COVID. Although baseball didn't really finish that far out of place. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there comes a point, there comes a point where you, you can't, um, I can't, I can't find the words I'm looking for, but there comes a point where, you know, the, the, all those deadlines have passed and all these big name players, players have already signed. And if you're still looking for your owner to give you the money or your, your prospective owner to give you that money, you're going to be out of the running for another year. And that's not what the Mets want. Yeah, for sure. But also, I think a part of well, the last thing I'll mention, the part of this also another little thing. This could also have to do with A Rod because A Rod's a sore loser, and A Rod is a De Blasio, <laughs> De Blasio is an A Rod guy, and A Rod lost the the bidding. So I feel this could be part of it. I don't think, like I said, I the Mets Cohen will get the team eventually. This is just going to be dragged out longer, and it could hurt the Mets off season. Yeah. All right, on some basketball, so. The Houston Rockets have been the talk of it lately. I mean, Daryl Morey steps down, of course, and now he's going to Philly. So let's start off with Daryl Morey. Uh, Noah, if you want, you can take it away. Okay, I'm a big Daryl Morey fan. You guys know that. And we talked about maybe maybe a month ago or whenever whenever he decided to step down, what teams he might end up working with. And I kind of said Minnesota could be an option. That would seem like a fit. I think you guys mentioned uh, Sacramento was one was one option. I really didn't see Philadelphia. They just hired Doc Rivers, and now they're going to go in with Daryl Morey as the new president with Elton Brand uh, keeping the GM job. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But the only thing that I'll say about this is I can smell an overhaul in Philadelphia. And I think that there was a lot of talk about the Embiid-Simmons relationship and whether they would break that up. And I think that's looking more likely today than it ever has. Harden's contract is coming up sooner rather than sooner than you think. It's only a couple years away where he could decide to opt out and leave. And I could see him trying to reunite with James. It's possible. I think Daryl just loves the guy. We'll see if that ever happens. I bet you if they offered a Simmons for a Harden trade right now, they could really get some something working and see if they could actually do it this offseason. I don't think it'll happen, but I do think that the analytical revolution is coming to Philadelphia with Doc Rivers, and they're going to have to start making some serious roster moves in order to fit Maury's style. Obviously, small ball, three-pointers, 
that's not the Sixers game. I think it'll start to move that way in the next few months and maybe next couple off seasons as he gets acclimated here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see the Sixers, see if this turns the Sixers into a more analytics-oriented team like the Rockets are, like they have been, um, especially because it's such, it's such like a complete 180-degree turn from where they've been and where, where they came from uh, over the past couple of seasons, how they got to this point. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he might change his team. And like you said, there's been talk of Embiid moving on or the, the Sixers moving on from Embiid. Um, or Simmons. Or, or Simmons. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think there's been a little bit more talk of them, of them trying to trade Embiid. Um, I don't know, but either way, I think it could be really interesting to see maybe they deal them both and try and start from scratch with a completely different type of lineup. You know, I, I could see that happening. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. Maury doesn't with Maury, like Maury and Simmons, they don't Simmons is, doesn't like to shoot. He likes to yeah. drive inside that. I'm sure Daryl Maury hates that. I'm sure he wants to get rid of him. And also Embiid, Maury doesn't like, the the dominant center with the in the post in the post down low he wants shooting threes and just lobs and alley oops and maybe not even that he maybe he still wants to go five out which personally I think is stupid. Although that being said, like imagine last year's Rockets lineup with Embiid, you know, yeah, but, yeah, but then that's that missing piece. So so there's a chance now now that I think of it now that you mention it there's a chance you deal Simmons keep Embiid. Yeah. Go for people who can shoot and then keep keep Embiid as a big man who can who can stand under the rim. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's the best course of action. Yeah, like I said, they need to, they just needed a four one. Like they needed like a guy who could just grab rebounds, dunk it back, and can post up a little bit, yeah. like a, a playmaker. Like, and I disagree with you on one point. I think the season they had Chris Paul instead of Russell Westbrook because Russell Westbrook can't shoot. So that's the season I think if they had Embiid, they would have won. So that's what I'll say about that. And I also I want to add, mean- guys. There is going to be at least one big move made this offseason in Philadelphia. Because oh, sure. I will give you a zero percent chance that they go into next season with Simmons, Horford, and Embiid on the roster. Yeah, there is just agree. no chance. Horford, that Horford's a hundred percent doubt. Horford, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think the first deal they get would for say there, there's a zero percent chance that they go in with Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. Hey, oh, I, I, I think it's possible with they go in with those two, but I don't think Horford at all stays. Yeah, Although I could they, see Horford being a better fit for a Maury system than Embiid. So we'll see what happens there. That is true. But do you think the Sixers could possibly bring in James Harden now that uh, Maury's there and some speculation about how Harden could go to the Sixers because Maury's going? So do you think the Rockets could uh, send Maury? Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers have the pieces to make it work. They can give like Simmons or Tobias Harris, uh, Simmons, Harris. I'm sure they can throw in like one young piece, maybe if they wanted to. Um, who, uh, uh, Matisse Thibel, if they need to, a couple draft picks. They could definitely, they could definitely yeah. make a deal work. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think about other guys around the league who kind of fit Maury's style in terms of guards. And there's one name that just continues to stand out to me that I keep thinking about. Yeah, and sure. I know he's on. He's gonna. He might resign a restricted deal, so we'll see what happens. But if Donovan Mitchell wants out of Utah, that's the place for him to go. Philly would be oh. perfect. Oh God, I would hate that as as. Just as a Celtics fan, I would not want to play against Donovan Mitchell. Oh, pure God. speculation, but it just it keeps standing out to me as I no, think about Donovan it. No, Mitchell, you're totally right too. No, Donovan Mitchell, just like every other superstar in this league, is coming to the Knicks. Okay. Let's be real. Okay, let's finish up. All here. right, sure. And of course, our last topic: Stephen Silas going to the Dallas Mavericks. I'm no, from the Dallas. Very... No, no, to Houston. 
Oh, to Houston. I'm so sorry. I'm yeah, very from, sorry. Yeah, from, from the from Mavericks to the Rockets. Correct me if I'm mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. A very under-the-radar move by the Rockets, in my opinion. Let's get your guys' thoughts A weird on. move. A weird not I necessarily. I'm not going to say it's a bad move. But, you know, I think there were some other there were some other names out there. It's not the one, not one I would have guessed. I, I was surprised too. I thought Jeff and Gundy would be ultimately the way they'd go, but it makes a ton of sense why they go with Silas. He is really a really experienced assistant. His dad, Paul Silas has been a coach for a very, very long time. He's been assistant for a long time with a bunch of different teams. And it makes sense because he was in Dallas last year. They had the number one offense in the NBA with Luka Doncic. Doncic and Harden are very similar. He was definitely a big help to Doncic in year two. He could be a big help to Harden this year, trying to help him run the offense. I think I could see that being a big boost for them. And I know Houston's a very big offensive team. They want to score more points and outscore you. They're not really great on the defensive end. If anybody can help them, that's not Mike D'Antoni, outscore people. It might be a guy like this who was under Rick Carlisle, has experience with Luka. I I, I see the fit and I understand why they brought him in. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I like the fit a lot. The, the, the Mavericks and Rockets, the Mavericks are very similar to their style. They like to shoot a lot of threes, pretty much out the, the exception of uh, Luka and Porzingis. Pretty much everybody is a three-point shooter. The Rockets are kind of built the same way. So that could definitely be a nice, smooth transition from a guy like D'Antoni to this. He knows, how, he knows kind of how to play that way. I do think they're going to try and get a big man back, kind of like they want to, he wants to run – a similar kind of way. He has two players that could score in any way possible and then surrounded by three-point shooters. And I think the Dallas big man group could be the type of player that that the Rockets target. A Maxi Kleba who can play inside and outside would be a perfect fit for Houston. He might be available on the trade market. Dwight Powell can shoot threes, also go for, go to the rim and get lobs. He's very good at that. He's coming back from injury. I could see him possibly be a target. There are other guys around the league similar, but I think that style is what the Houston is what Houston's looking for. I I also think probably like a whole, like going back to going back to the Sixers. I also like Horford. I like yeah, Horford. I could see it. Well, like, Eric, yeah, yeah. Horford, Horford Eric Gordon. Like Gordon. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Eric yep. Gordon would be a perfect fit in Philly as well. And Eric Gordon, I think they. I feel like they kind of want to move. Do him. you think? Suppose suppose uh, is, is Horford tied to a contract or is he a free yes. agent? No, for like three more years. Okay, but so suppose, is Gordon. Though. Suppose. Like I know this, that you would need to throw some extra things in there. Horford and um, Harden swat, swat, uh, get traded for each other. What would the Sixers need to throw in along with Horford to get that trade? Well, hold on. If they're trading for Harden, Simmons has to be in that deal. Yeah. I agree. Yep. So, so yeah, Horf- yeah, agree. would Horford and Simmons be a deal for, for Harden? No. I, think that's I don't think Harden's getting traded. I think that's too much money. Simmons and Horford together, I think it's almost like $60 million. No, the the perfect trade lines up Eric Gordon for Horford and you throw in picks or kind of role players in there just to make the money. But I think that would be the perfect deal. Yeah, Gordon for Horford, I think works. If you're going to go for Harden, you need need Simmons, Harris, maybe Thibel, somebody else. Uh, Who is that? Um, Shake Milton, maybe. Yeah, you'll you'll get in a few few maybe smaller pieces in there, but I think those are the two key guys you're going to look to move if that were to happen again may not we'll see but that would be the way i would uh i would approach the offseason if i am the rockets get a big man that can play inside outside set screens roll to the basket guard the rim there's a lot of things that that player would need to do but they're missing someone because capella once he was gone they didn't have that same sort of uh inside presence that they're going to need going forward very under the radar move it's gonna be a, this is gonna be a good nba season if it really if can. it ever starts i mean 
the, okay. the players and the coaches are not not deciding yet. It's I think it'll be the end of December. That's my pick. I think it'll be. I think Christmas Day. Yeah, they, they said the twenty second. I think is the is the day they're looking for. Yeah, but players so around the players are not on board with that. I thought no, they I get that, but they need to. They need to get a season in Aiden before yeah, football Dean, begins. Dean, play, uh, players want MLK, yeah. MLK Day. They need I think to get they a season in to go New Year's Day. Open on New Year's Day. I agree. Back to Open work. up the new year with the new season. It makes total sense. Yeah. Also, I want to say we I want to give a, we normally give winners and losers on our YouTube, but I just want to give a quick winner. Uh, Joe Beningo of WFN. Yeah. He's, he's finally going to retire after 25 years. Congratulations to him. Mondays after a uh, Monday after uh, after a jet loss on Monday will never be the same. I'll never get to laugh for a couple minutes. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Yeah, Joe's a legend in this city. Congratulations. Yeah. I have no idea who he is, but good job. <laughs> yeah, bro. <sighs> the greatest right. Jet fan thoughts? we've ever met or we've ever known. Yeah. Any final right. thoughts? Is that all we got, Dean? Uh, that is all we got. All right. Well, this has been a great episode of Agree to Disagree. You can go follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Go follow us on Instagram, Agree to Disagree underscore VIC. Twitter, A2D underscore VIC. Uh, Noah, what's our Facebook? It's Agree to Disagree on VIC. And, uh, of course, listen to us 1030 to 11 on Saturdays. That's when we're on. Yes, on VIC Radio. You can check us out on Spotify as well. I'm Dean Gutick alongside Noah Schwartz, Aiden Chard, and Jack Sello saying peace.